I wonder what Brad Spicer, who has made the trip up north, thinks of the barrier because she's a Group 1 winning mare already. If she could notch her second Group 1, gee, she'd be one of the most valuable broodmares that who knows what prices she could make in coming years when she finally retires from racing. Uh, I think we've got Brad Spicer on the line. Good morning, Brad. Are you well? Morning, Michael. Very well. Just up in uh, Brisbane on the track with the sunshine beaming, so it's, it's nice to get a bit of uh, warmth on the back out of Melbourne. Magnificent. Well, I'm sure Snapdance is enjoying that warmth as well, although what was your first reaction when the marble came out? <laughs> uh, look, at first was like, oh, no, and then take a breath. You know, it's not that bad. Um, she's a big striding mare and she needs a bit of room. Um, I was actually talking to Dave Hughes just the day before. So, look, I was hoping for barrier 10. I thought barrier 10 would be perfect. Just give her a bit of room to come across at her own uh, devices and then hopefully get in a really nice rhythm. But, um, you know, look, we can't do much about the barriers. And she had barrier 16 in Adelaide and it didn't seem to worry her. So hopefully uh, we can get the same result today. <laughs> Not too many people will draw on lucky 16 uh, in barrier draws, Brad. But And, and on top of that, uh, a so-called clerical error it meant you do start from one spot wider after they, uh, <laughs> a glitch in their computer system uh, put Enchanted Heart into the field. <laughs> Who drew one? I, I, I wasn't aware of that, Dan, but there's a, a little bit of icing on the cake. But, look, it's, uh, it's just uh, you know, a problem now for, I suppose, Ethan to overcome. And, um, you know, he's, he's riding with confidence. And I actually just spoke to him. He's just on the way down from the Gold Coast. He's staying his parents. He's pretty excited to get on and hopefully uh, get it, give her another nice ride today. The win in Adelaide, uh, for us and all of our listeners, what what was her value round figures before she won the Group 1 in Adelaide and where does she sit now? Like, how much value does that put on her? Because she would have been a valuable broodmare anyway. Is she just in that zone now where she's worth, you know, multi, multi millions of dollars as a broodmare? Yeah, look, she's probably, she was probably in that wonder. To 1.5 before that race um, in Adelaide, and then that probably put her in that three to four million spot, depending on who's on her on the day, um, Dan. So it's going to be interesting to sort of see what happens to her once she gets to the auction ring and see see him fight it out because you know, she's going to be a, a sought after um, a mare being out of a Galileo mare, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of interest up in the Northern Hemisphere as well for for a horse like her. So. Uh, yeah, look, as soon as the uh, bidding war starts, I think we'll all be nervous and hopefully it just keeps going and going up for all the, for the owner's sake. Gee, you've got the Midas touch, haven't you? It's not the first time you've do, you know, uh, done this before, but w- what's her plans racing-wise beyond today? Uh, look, she'll go for a rest after here, Dan, and um, probably uh, spell up here and then target the Magic Millions again in, in January. Um, such a nice race for her because she's an on-pacer and she's done it before and and that weight scale is really good up there. Uh, she, she'll carry 60, and you know she could be a dual Group 1 winner by then and still racing for a million dollars. So it's, um, you know, that sort of money on the track, I suppose, entices these sort of mares to, to race on a little bit and, and gives, gives the owners you know, an opportunity to just keep building on that really good record and stake money. What did you pay for her, Brad? Uh, she was 180 Michael, at uh, Magic Gee, it's wow. a good buy. Yeah. Can you find <laughs> us one of those? Yeah. Yeah. Then you put us in for that little share we requested. It's not, uh, it's not that easy, but um, I, I will tell you a story. When I bought her, I thought I was buying a nice Oaks filly because she had that look about her. She, she was a you know, scopey individual, and Darren Weir and I actually looked at her together and said, yeah, you know, she's a horse that will get home. She'll be a nice three-year-old over a bit of ground. Uh, we'll give her a bit of time. And Anyway, so she turned out to be a sprinter, and 
a Group One winning sprinter at twelve hundred. So it uh, it never goes the you know, to the rule book. And, and it took a little while for the penny to drop with her. Like she was always a a consistent horse, but she just kind of got back, didn't have best of luck in runs. So it, and then it all just came together. Yeah, Michael. I think every time we've sort of tipped her out and brought her back, she's really strengthened up and uh, really matured. And I think. You know, maybe that's just thrown a bit more to the Schwarzier side as, she, as she's got older. Um, she's a bit of a beast of a horse now to look at. So, um, yeah, I think just natural maturity. Um, she hasn't been overly taxed on the track either, so she's been very sparingly raced. And David and, and um, Kieran have really looked after her in between campaigns and even in between runs. You know, she's had you know the six, seven week break every now and then between runs. So, um, you know, maybe she's still on the way up, which is a bit scary. So. Hopefully she can keep improving over the next 12 months. Well, she dominated the Sangster after drawing wide. Is that the plan again today? Try and bounce, run, cross? Will she be leading sitting outside lead? Uh, I'd say we'd be positive, Michael, depending on how the track plays here today. I was just actually just talking to Ed Cummings on course, and he was having a look at all the results from last year, and he said this track last year all played down the outside uh, on, a, on a good surface, so... Um, I suppose we, we get seven races to have a bit of a look to see how the, the track's playing, but um, Gay Waterhouse has got a horse in the race, so you'd expect probably not to be leading. You'd probably be sitting on its outside if it all goes to plan, and um, it just I suppose it depends on how hard they go up front. And if they get a bit of a breather, well, she can certainly be there at the end. Yeah, Gay's horses shout the bar, which is I'm sure that's what you'll be doing if Snap Dancer wins her second group one. At least you know she takes the the, the right-handed uh, way of going. She's had a bit of experience there. In fact, um, before the win in Adelaide last start, I, I think arguably her best runs have been going that way. Yeah, I think we all thought that too. I thought, you know what, she's going so well up here. Do we go back down to Melbourne or just leave her up here, you know, going the other way of going? So, um, yeah, she seems to be pretty versatile now, Yes. She goes all, all distances, but we probably won't go back down the straight again. I think we'll give that a miss. <laughs> I was going to say, just with the distance, if you look at her raw stats, she's had four starts at the 1,400. She's only managed to, to run second once. So are you confident that she will run a really strong 14? Uh, look, hopefully just Michael, and she's an older man now and stronger. So we haven't had a crack at 14 for a while. Um, so I had a really good look at that race in Adelaide, and she, she didn't seem to be sort of tiring on the line in the Sangster. If anything, she was really strong, you know, maybe even pulling away a little bit just, just after the line. So I'm hoping that the 1400 is going to be fine for her. And she has been placed at a mile before as well at, at group level. So uh, look, I'm just hoping that that extra maturity will really help with the seven furlongs. You've had so many winners in those colours and obviously the focus is going to be on the group one today. But gee, the, the jungle drums are beating this Kiwi that's in the first over at Morfordville. And I, I know there's been a scratching, but it's been smashed into a dollar seventy now. Um, no drama. What can you tell us about this ex Kiwi? Yeah, look, he's a really nice horse, Michael. He's shown uh, a lot of talent. He had one start for a win in New Zealand, uh, and then we purchased him from over there. Uh, he's had a couple of trials here and been well publicised on the trial file. So I think uh, all the punters have j- jumped on on the back of those trials. And look, he, he's a pretty bomb-proof horse. Puts himself right there and. Um, we're going there pretty confident and be pretty disappointed if he got beat today. Well, that's uh, confidence. Uh, Michael, uh, you won't hear him for the next 60 <laughs> seconds while he starts pulling on, on all his multis. No, we're, we're already on, don't ha- we? How, <laughs> how did you end up with no drama? Just tell us about the background there. Did you buy into him or were we already involved uh, no, uh, prior? No, we, we, we bought him after his first start. His, his sectionals were through the roof. He actually ran 
his first uh, quickest 600, 400 and 200 of the whole day. And his full sister ran third in a listed race on that same day, uh, a little bit later on. So sort of tells you that you know, he's, he was quite a smart animal um, and he still didn't look like he knew what he was doing. So he, even Lindsay in it, um, Jared Fye, I still believe he's probably six six months away you know, from maturing. But um, yeah, I just hope he can sort of follow that breed, give Lynn's breed seem to get over a little bit of ground. So um, you know, if he can do that in the spring, get up to a mile, you just never know, you always dream. What's your market now, usually, Badlock? Is it obviously you buy through the ring, but looking for race horses in New Zealand, are you doing that more even overseas? I know you've got a couple of uh, internationally bred horses as well, the the Rudger and the Furimons. So where are you now looking mainly with your market? Yeah, look, I've, I've, we've been buying some trial horses from England and, and New Zealand, but um, I've, I've got the dream of winning the Melbourne Cup, Michael. So I've. I've <laughs> I've decided to go down a staying route and heading over to Tattersall's every year since 2018, buying some yearlings. And we've bought two every year, so we've got a, a few in the system that haven't raced, but are shaping up really well. And as you mentioned, Rudia and uh, Ferramon and we've got Aspen, Colorado. We still think they'll be really nice stayers and brought them along nice and slow, but they're, they're sort of reaching maturity age now, so we can start stepping them up in trip and, and sort of get a really good look at them. But I think that's, that's the future for us. You know, I, I really... I've seen what a few of the uh, the um, you know, guys like um, uh, Terry Henderson have done, and it's it's, mm. quite, it's quite exciting to get runners in the Melbourne Cup. And um, you know, it's obviously a boyhood dream to to win it, and but you've got to be buying the stock. And I wasn't buying the stock, but now I am. So we'll chase that for the next twenty years. Well, that's interesting. What's the market like over there now with um, the Europeans obviously dominating Australian racing? Is it is it pretty difficult to get a decent horse for a decent price? Uh, look, the tried horses, Michael, are very, very hard because they're all exposed and everyone's looking at those horses from Australia. But we've been buying the yearlings. and um, So yeah, it's probably comparable to Australian prices. We've seen a huge rise in the last uh, three or four years. And year, year in, year out, they've been going up that 10%, 20%. And um, the Tattersalls in the European markets are the same. Um, but I do I do believe they, they breed better stays. So um, it's, I think it's well worth... Yeah, you know, the venture going over and, and buying these horses and bringing them back and then developing them. Well, it's an exciting ride. There's no doubt about that. Uh, anything else that we should be following from uh, the Spicer Thoroughbreds team in the next week? Um, I think Sacred Palace today over in at Morfville. He's in a, mm. a really nice race. I think uh, he'll enjoy those big open spaces at Morfville. And uh, I think I'd be very disappointed if he wasn't in the top three today. So with a bit of luck winning. So, yeah, look, it's a pretty exciting day. I have to keep an eye on Morfordville and Queensland and um, flying home tonight so I can coach the kids tomorrow in footy. That's, that's a, pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty busy day. What time's footy tomorrow? 9.50 in the morning. <laughs> oh, so you've got to get back tonight then. Yeah, yeah. Well, as long as Qantas do the right thing, Dan. Uh, they, <laughs> they actually uh, cancelled my flight this morning and put me on the earlier flight, which had to get up quite early. But anyway, if Snapdancer can win, it'll be all, all forgiven. I bet. Well, you might get back. Your luggage may not. But uh, anyway, good luck today, Brad. (laughs) Thanks, boys. Appreciate it.